I don't know how I'm supposed to follow the kids up. Like, usually you save your best performance for last, like when you go to something, and they've kind of done it reverse this time. So the best has already happened, so whatever happens next, bear with me. No, I'm just kidding. Hey, my name is John. Welcome. If this is your first time, I'm glad you're here this morning. Those of you joining us online, I'm glad you're tuned in. First service, I was asking if you had your Fruity Pebbles yet. This service, I know you've probably had them, and the mozzarella sticks are in the microwave, so I can smell them from here. Uh, so this series is called The Goat, right? Greatest of all time. And we've been doing these um, not super scientific polls on Facebook trying to survey what is the greatest blank of all time, right? And so this past week it was what is the greatest Christmas song of all time? And I have the top three here. We had a lot of submissions. Top three was uh, Mary Did You Know, okay, Oh Holy Night, okay, and Silent Night. And so what I want to do, this is a little hard, so I need everyone to really focus in on this. We're going to, by a show of hands, we're going to try to vote here in person on which one of those three is the greatest of all time. If you're online, I want you to light up the chat on what your vote is for these songs. So just by a show of hands, just one hand, I'm only counting one, okay? So Mary, did you know, just by a show of hands, is this the best of the three? Okay, okay. Uh, Oh, holy night. Can I get some hands for Oh, holy night? Okay. All right. Everybody knows Josh Groban. All right. Silent Night. Next one. Oh, okay. A little different. This is a little different this time. Okay. Can I get Oh Holy Night again? Can I get Silent Night again? Sorry. I'm just having fun. Uh, We're going to go with Oh Holy Night. Looked like it had the most votes. So congratulations. Oh Holy Night, according to you, is the greatest Christmas song of all time. I'm just really glad we didn't pick All I Want for Christmas is You by Mariah Carey. Um, unpopular opinion as well. I don't like Mary, did you know? Sorry if that changes things in our friendship or in any way you view me. But yeah, I don't, I don't like She Knew. Um, so, you know, I just, it's not my favorite song. My favorite Christmas song um, is a classic. Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays by NSYNC. Uh, just a personal rule of thumb. Anytime Justin Timberlake comes on my radio, I'm turning up all the way to max. So now you know a little bit about me. I don't know a little bit about you guys. You like Oh Holy Night the best. Um, so, but when people talk about the GOAT, right, it's usually sports. Or if you're not familiar with the term, usually they're talking about sports or an entertainer or a singer. Um, you know, for basketball, the two names you're going to hear most often are LeBron James and Michael Jordan, right? But you could also make a case for Kobe, Wilt Chamberlain, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, right? For baseball, you're going to hear Babe Ruth. Barry Bonds, Willie Mays, you might hear Satchel Paige. If you know who Satchel Paige is, what's up? If you don't, you have homework. So uh, women's gymnastics also, you've got Mary Lou Retton, you've got Simone Biles, um, various others that would be considered the greatest of all time in their respective sports. And those, those are kind of up for debate. Now there's other areas where it's not really up to debate. If I, if I say the name of the sport, you could probably recite it back to me. If I said NFL, Tom Brady, right? If I said NHL, Wayne Gretzky. Okay, so first service, man. They were like, Gordie Howe, and I was like, oh, no. Uh, (laughs) Women's tennis, Serena Williams, golf, Tiger Woods, boxing, it's Muhammad Ali. Come on. I mean, he walked around letting everybody know I am the greatest, so I'm not going to debate with him. Like, any of those boxers, if they were in front of me, I'll let them know they were the greatest, but just, I mean... Don't really want to upset those guys, you know. Some people are going to dispute that. Um, and some people are going to say, well, no, this person's the GOAT golf. Maybe you say Jack Nicholas, or, you know, all these other sports. You have people that you think is the best at their respective thing. But if we took them all together, all of the GOATs, if we rounded up all of the GOATs, we tried to figure out who the GOAT of all GOATs was, it'd be a little hard, right? 
I don't really know if Tom Brady is good at ice skating, and I don't think Wayne Gretzky can throw a football very far, so it would be hard to try to compare them. But when we're talking about the greatest of all time, and especially what we're talking about in this series, the greatest of all time isn't a sports star, an entertainer, it's not a politician or a king, but it's Jesus, right? And this is really important because your view of Jesus is probably the most important subject because it affects your life now and forever. It's that critical. And so, this, this, you know, the sad thing is, is fewer and fewer people really recognize the significance of Christmas having to do with the birth of Christ, and especially even some who might identify as Christians. People might be more likely to know the significance of April 15th than they are to know the significance of Christ's birth with Christmas. Many go right on celebrating this season as if Christ never came. So I think if we're going to talk about the greatest of all time, and we're going to talk about the reason for the season, if you will, I think it's a good time to set the record straight this morning. He's unlike and far above all others. Not only the most significant person in history in the way he's changed the world, but in the way he's changed countless individual lives, including mine and maybe yours as well. Our entire timeline is literally split by when he shows up into two major eras, B.C., in A.D. History is literally his story. It is split by him, and he doesn't change. It says in Hebrews that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It doesn't change. We celebrate great birthdays of people like Martin Luther King, George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, because of why? The things they did in their life. So how can we celebrate Jesus' birth without recognizing everything he came to do with his life, whether it be his ministry, his miracles, his teachings. It's important. Jesus is God's son sent to save us. Last week we saw the Bible split into two sections as well, just like our timeline is, the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's all about him. Everything in the Old Testament is preparing for this coming Messiah, and everything in the New Testament is once he's arrived until he ascends. We said last week, you can't fully understand and appreciate the New Testament without the Old Testament. Jesus is the fulfillment of every prophecy, shadow type, promise, and prototype of the Old Testament. We focus on the new because it tells us about Jesus, our Lord and Savior, helps us be able to think like Jesus, talk like Jesus, and do some of the things that Jesus did. We live under principles and practices of the New Testament that he brought. And this Christmas season, it's all about anticipation, right? I mean, kids, I mean, the kids up on stage, and they were great. They were awesome. I, mean, I really seriously don't know how I'm going to follow that up. But they're, in, they're anxious. They want to know what's going to be under that tree when they wake up on Christmas morning, all right? They ask for uh, whatever they ask for these days, and they're excited to see it under the tree. They're anxious. And the people then, they were anxious too. They knew there was a Messiah coming, the Hebrew scriptures, the, the, the message is Messiah is coming, and that word Christ is the New Testament way of saying Messiah. They didn't know when, but they knew he was coming and they were anticipating it. Now today, we kind of know Christmas is coming. I think Black Friday started in August this year. Um, Mid-September, you can buy your Christmas tree at Walmart. Halfway through October, Hallmark starts the 150 movie streak of the same plot with different people in different cities for those Christmas movies. And you guys keep watching them, so we're part of the problem. Um, After trick-or-treating is over, you start hearing these Christmas songs on the radio. We know it's coming. We've got plenty of advance notice. But they weren't really sure what kind of signs to look for back then for the first Christmas. And so, 
unfortunately, most everyone missed it. You know, the New Testament reflects back when Paul writes, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman. It was the fullness of time. So as, as you read through the Hebrew scriptures, it's all building up to the fullness of time, the right time on God's timetable, the fulfillment of his promises. The Old Testament closes in Malachi where this, this promise of a coming Messiah, and there's, for 400 years or so, there is silence. Silence from God until that silence is broken by the angel Gabriel, appearing to a priest named Zechariah burning incense in the temple in Jerusalem. And he, he tells him that his wife Elizabeth would have a baby who would be the forerunner to the Messiah. That baby would be John the Baptist. About another year and a half goes by and Gabriel comes through again, and this time not to Elizabeth but to her relative Mary. And Scripture tells us, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Matthew's gospel adds another announcement from an angel, this time to Joseph in a dream where it says, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Why? For he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So when that, that first cry is heard in the stable in Bethlehem, the universe kind of reaches a turning point. It's a hinge point in history where God, eternal creator, spirit, sovereign, he can be held, he can be touched, you can see him face to face, He's available, he's approachable, and he's vulnerable. Why would, why would God do that? What would move God to do what Paul describes of Jesus? Paul tells of him, he says, Who though he was in the form of God did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even death on a cross. He remained God, but gave up parts of his infinite nature to become human. He gave up his God privilege, if you will, divest him, divested himself of his divine rights, lowered himself to become one of us. He put his glory on pause. He surrendered his riches, restrained his powers, limited his presence to one small space in time, compressed in the frame of frail flesh. This eternal and infinite being compressed into this little baby. But this temporary, self-imposed incarnation was for powerful purposes. I'd like to take you through a few of these. The New Testament reveals that Jesus came to reveal God more clearly. He's the ultimate revelation. 
People can only know anything about God that he chooses to reveal. He's revealed a lot through nature, through prophets, through miracles, but those, those can be misunderstood. You know, people have lots of weird, false, and just really bad ideas about God, all kinds of spiritualities and religions that get God all wrong. Jesus came to correct misconceptions. Anytime you hear someone say, well, I like to think of God as whatever follows after that, you can almost assuredly know it's probably going to be wrong because it's just a guess or it's an opinion that they're making up. Or they say, well, John, I don't believe in God. Well, tell me about this God you don't believe in because maybe I don't either. It's not that surprising that people choose not to follow him. They don't really know him. They don't really understand him. They ignore God. They run from him, deny him, curse him. Sometimes on their own, yeah, they'll do this. But sometimes who he is has been misrepresented to them by people claiming Christ, and truly they're just bad actors. And it's sad. And so what do they do? They turn to these man-made religions. They turn to DIY spiritualities. They create a God in their own image, one that is a little easier to agree with, one that makes me a little bit more comfortable, and one that I don't really have to worry about too much because, I mean, I made him up after all. And I wonder if any of you in this room have ever, still do have misconceptions about who God really is. I think if we're honest, at some point in our life, we all have. We've all come to a point where we've like, oh, well, I believed that for a while and that's not true. Yikes. I've had those moments. Maybe you've gotten them from some other religion or from some church or from a parent or a movie or a book. I don't know. Good rule of thumb is to kind of verify anything that's claiming to be the truth with Scripture because Scripture is never going to steer you wrong. It's always going to tell you exactly who he really is. And he wants us to know what he's really like. You know, if you've been with us for a while and you call this place home, you know this past year we've been going through John. We started in John chapter 1, of course, and it starts, the Word became flesh. God revealed himself as Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Son came to earth to be a man. Our Creator humbled himself and took on the body of his fallen creation in a way that we could understand to reveal him to us. And it's not that he wasn't speaking our language before, we just weren't listening or we didn't want to hear it. But Jesus got our attention in a big way. He blows up the stereotypes of what God is like from pagan mythologies. He smashes any false ideas by the way he lived and by what he taught. He came to bring the light of truth. Jesus is the truth. He knows exactly what God is like because, spoiler, he is God. He says in John, I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. Even when he's on trial at the end of his life, he says, for this purpose I was born and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. That's powerful. He also came to fulfill the law. All the commandments in the Old Testament by living a perfectly obedient life. Jesus was holy in thought, intent, word, deed. He was perfect. The book of Hebrews refers to a prophecy which puts these words in the mouth of Jesus. It says, Then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. 
as it is written of me in the scroll of the books. What does that mean? It means Jesus came to carry out God's will. He did what the Father sent him to do. He taught wonderful truth. He set great examples of righteousness, demonstrated incredible depths of compassion. He healed, he served, he blessed, he provided. But what he came to do most, what only he could do, is he came to save the world. That's why his name is Jesus. It means the Lord saves. Every single one of us, we've all disobeyed, disbelieved God, fallen short of his glory, gone astray, wandered far, lost, hopeless, condemned, cut off from the source of life. But Jesus said, I came to seek and save the lost. I came to call sinners to repentance. In Mark it says, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is going to be hard to hear, but we don't deserve this life. We can't earn heaven. There is no amount of good things that I can do to make up for one sin that I've committed. Because the cost of that sin is death. Eternal separation in hell. That's why Jesus came. To rescue us, to deliver us. To bear our sins and pay that penalty with his life. He's the only one who can do that. He's the only one that can resurrect himself. He was born to die. God is infinite. His death would be infinite. His death would be so infinite that it would count for the death of every person that will ever live. And so Jesus came to bring us full and forever life because he paid that penalty. He came to destroy the devil's works. He came to free us from the slavery to our own sinful nature. He removes the sting of the grave. It says in John, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Why would he do all this? He's perfect. He's infinite. Why would he want to do all of this? Because he loves us. I mean, John 3, 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Verse 17 continues, For God did not send his Son in the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Now all this, back in the stable, little baby Jesus, this hasn't been revealed yet to Mary, the wise men, the shepherds. They're all pondering. They're asking this question. You know, you may have sung the song, What child is this? They're asking. They knew he would be the most high. They knew he would be given the throne of David. The angel had told Mary that, but the greatest sacrifice of all, that hadn't been revealed to them yet. But we kind of have this luxury, right? We get to look back and see all Jesus came to do and that he proved it all through his resurrection. We know the Christmas story is true because we know Easter really happened. He really died and he really rose again. You know, Paul appeals to those Old Testament prophecies in the resurrection to prove that Jesus was, as Paul says, promised beforehand through his prophets and the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh, and was declared to be the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. He's the son of God. He's the king over heaven and earth. Do you know him? Like, do you really know him? I want to play something for you guys. Um, it's a portion of a message delivered by S.M. Lockridge. If you're not familiar, he, he preached this message in Detroit in 1976. It was recorded and it's been played over many times. Maybe you've seen it, maybe you haven't. Um, 
It's got countless views on all kinds of videos on YouTube just because it's kind of stood the test of time. And I want you guys to check this out. So if you don't mind checking the screens out.
Jesus is God's son sent to save us. I talked earlier about a passage in Philippians 2 about how he had emptied himself, kind of given up a lot of his privileges so that he could become human and go to the cross. Um, That passage continues. It says, Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every name should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So the question I'd pose to you is, do you know him? Do you really know him? I'd encourage you to get to know him in the Bible. That's, that's where you're going to get the truth. You know, we, we can come up here and we can, we can recite this stuff to you and we can say whatever we say, but you're only going to get the truth from Scripture. I'm human. I might misspeak. Someone else might misspeak. You're going to get who he really is from his word. So I would really encourage you Read through the New Testament. If you've never read through it, read through the New Testament first. Get to know Jesus. It's most important. It tells us how to think like Jesus, behave like Jesus, act like Jesus acted. Once you've done that, I want you to go back and read that Old Testament. Because I I can't describe it to you. When you see how all 66 books point to this one man, just all come together for this story, this one story, it is, I mean, it's life-changing. It changes your life. That's the only way to describe it. So if you've never done that, I would encourage you to. And if you're in this room and you have done it, you can't ever do it too many times. So maybe we could start again. New Year's resolutions are coming up. I just found yours. So there you go. Only God can write a book like that. Only God can do the things that he's done. You know, so we've, the last week we saw him revealed in the Old Testament, right? This week we've seen him revealed in the New Testament. Next week we're going to be talking about where is Jesus today and what's he doing? And maybe, maybe all of this revelation for you, maybe this is an opportunity for you to finally say yes or to finally kind of take that next step. And so that opportunity is here for you, whether you need to text or email your name to what's on the screen behind me. There's going to be people up here at the front. They'll be here after service as well online. Those are there for you. We're there for you on Facebook as well. If you're ready to say yes to following Jesus, I would encourage you really not to wait another day. Maybe that's not your next step, though. Maybe, you know, for us Christians in the room, maybe it's just a moment to confess our faith. And so I've got some things. I'd like to do this together, if you will, with me. Um, read these scriptures with me. It was started about, I believe, and the, the scripture would be, if you would read this with me, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And read this with me as well. The promise is, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised from the dead, you will be saved. Would you repent and be baptized today? Man, Jesus is the only one. He's the one sent to save us, not condemn us. But you have to accept him, though. You have to take that step. And not to sound grim, but you just, you don't know what tomorrow may hold. He's been revealed. Would you receive him as your Savior today? Maybe your next step isn't that. Maybe it's joining this church family, becoming a member. Maybe it's joining a small group. Maybe it's serving on a team. Or maybe, when was the last time you shared the good news with someone? Have you ever sat and thought about all the amazing things he's done in your life and thought, man, I need to share this with someone else. Maybe that's your next step. 
whatever it is, I want to challenge everyone here. We've got these invite cards in the lobby, super nice, fresh off the press. I want to challenge you, invite 10 people to come to Christmas service with you. And I know what you're thinking. I can see you looking at me. John, you don't know the guy in the cubicle next to me, man. If he knows I'm a Christian, like, he needs Jesus, okay? You needed Jesus. Someone thought enough of you to share this with you. Someone thought enough of you to invite you to sit next to them, maybe in this very room, or maybe they invited you to watch online. Think of how great that invitation was for your life. People aren't just going to seek this out on their own. Some people will, but most people won't. They need someone like you to invite them. They need someone like you to shine a little bit of light into their life because honestly, without Jesus, those of you that know, like it's, it's not good. Maybe that's what you're supposed to do for that person. There might be someone on your mind right now, but I want to challenge you to invite 10 people to these Christmas services. If one of them shows up, that's a win. Invite 10 people. Hand them an invite card, give them a call, shoot them a text, whatever you got to do. Tell them, hey, you need to be here. And send them that invite. We're going to have Christmas Eve services on that Saturday. We're going to have Christmas Eve Eve service on Friday. We will not be having services on Christmas Sunday. So if you show up, doors will be locked. So stay at home, spend that day with your family, enjoy the Christmas season, and remember the significance of what this day is really all about. You know, I really would encourage you as we move from this message time into kind of this time of communion, pray for people to come with you, pray for this room to be full, but also just this is kind of your time to respond to what you've heard by taking communion right? You know, we know the bread represents his body and and then the juice represents his blood and the sacrifice he made for us on the cross. And so at South Point, we do this every week in remembrance of him. If you're not a believer and you're not sharing in this time, that's okay. But I want to encourage you to just sit and reflect and just think of everything you've just heard. Think of maybe thanking the person who invited you. If someone invited you and this is your first time today, thinking of someone you could invite or just sitting and reflecting and what's my next step? Maybe today's my day to say yes to Jesus. I don't know. What I do know is that he died for you too, and I would hate to see you miss out on everything he has to offer for you. Let me pray for us. Hey God, I just, man, I thank you for this church, just what we're able to do in Down River and around the world, the missions that we support, and just how seismic your impact is on individuals, people around them, and just everything you touch, man. thank you for that. I just pray that everyone in this room would be encouraged to remember the real reason why we celebrate this holiday, man. Really just be encouraged to share you with other people and to follow that great commission. You know, there's things on the minds and the hearts of all the people in this room. God, I just lift those up to you. I just, I pray if anything, they just would know that you're always there. You haven't gone anywhere. No matter how far we can run away from you, you're always right there as soon as we turn around and head back to you. It's all these things in your son's name I pray. Amen.